Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 11, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out! Who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 11, that we might begin to better understand the overwhelming riches of the wisdom and knowledge of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is a Wednesday morning here in Texas and uh, it's just a good day to be loving on Jesus, to be loving Jesus, to be telling Jesus we love him, right? We ought to have a lifestyle, obviously, of, of loving Jesus in our way of life, right? In loving him and spending time with him and loving him with, with prayer and praise and thanksgiving and worship and time in the scriptures, loving him by serving him and serving his kingdom, loving him by encouraging others and building up others and giving to others and helping others all in the name of Jesus, so we love Jesus by our actions, but like our brother Josh, um, one of the one of our leaders in the ministry, Lord, like he had said, uh, you know, we ought to be telling Jesus we love him too. It's good to say, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Heavenly Father. We love you, Holy Spirit. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So today um, we're looking to finish up Romans 11. Wow. It's just been, uh, it's been, it's been strong, right? Uh uh, verses 25 to 36 today. Um, again, Paul dealing with Israel um, and their rejection of Christ and that ultimately uh, the Jewish people, the Israeli people will ultimately come in greater mass and in, in, in mass to faith in Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for this incredible book of Romans, Father. We thank you for the profound truth, Lord, in all of your word. Father, but above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, as always, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. We thank you that you're alive and risen, and we worship you today, our risen Savior. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand your word now. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right, thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Romans 11. I'm going to start in verse 25, and we'll go to the end of the chapter, verse 36. Verse 25. I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account, but as far as election is concerned, they are loved 
on account of the patriarchs, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. Verse 30, just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. For God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Wow. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That uh, Those last four verses, 33 to 36, they're called a, a doxology. And it's like the Apostle Paul, after, after having dictated these first 11 chapters, remember a guy named Tertius in, in uh, chapter 16, you know, wrote down the letter as Paul dictated it. Um, and he actually says, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord, right? Let me get to that. That is chapter 16. Let me find it here. Um, verse 22, chapter 16. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. So again, Paul is dictating this. And again, there were no chapters in it when, you know, when this letter was written, right? Um, those came much, much later when they created the Bible, right? And so it's like in just, in just thinking about everything he's written, not only in this chapter 11, but really the first 11 chapters, the revelation, the insight, the understanding that the Holy Spirit has given us through the Apostle Paul, right? The inspired word of God, and all he can do is just, just almost cry out, right? Oh, the debt of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. When you look at the depth of the wisdom, and it's it's not just wisdom, it's not a little bit of wisdom, it's the riches of his wisdom, the rich riches of his knowledge that has been unpacked here in the uh in the first eleven chapters of this book is uh is wow. Yeah. I mean and and, and you know we'll get to that as uh you know, when we finish the teaching today, but it's, it's overwhelming, right? Matter of fact, we'll do those four verses now. Okay. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Verse 33. Again, when you think about everything we've gone through in these first 11 chapters, it ought to, it, it ought to drive us to almost cry out and say, oh, the depth. When you see the depth of what's written, when you see just how meaningful, how substantial may, how just overwhelming and, and just it, it, the wisdom in it, it, it's an immense riches of wisdom. The knowledge in it is an immense riches of knowledge that we've covered and that's been unpacked for us here and, and really what's been done for us on our behalf in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord, in just this, the marvelous way of how it's come about through the, the 39 books of the Old Testament 
and here it's 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 really revealed to us in the gospels and in the new testament it's overwhelming oh the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of god how unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out now this is interesting because we spend our life trying to search right you know into the judgments of God, trying to understand him. And we ought to spend our life, right? Stephen, Steve, one of Stephen's favorite verses in my wife's, right? Proverbs 25, 2. It's the glory of God to conceal a matter. It's the glory of kings to, to search it out, right? Proverbs 25, 2. And so we ought to spend our lives, but no matter how much we dig into the word of God or try to figure it out, and we ought to do that. That's the basis of, of relationship is trying to know someone better. And our, and our life is about knowing Jesus more intimately, growing to know him more, growing to love him more, growing to know his, his love for us more. But ultimately, you know, we, we're, we'll never fully figure it out, right? How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Sometimes the Lord allows, oftentimes things come to pass in our lives difficulties, hardships, struggles, sicknesses, diseases, death. Um, and sometimes it's hard to figure out. We, we, can't, we can't understand why he would either cause something like that to happen or why our father would even allow something like that to happen because we know that he's all powerful. We know that he knows everything and we know he's everywhere, right? He's omniscient, knows everything. Can't learn nothing, right? If you know everything, Corinne, you can't learn anything, right? Um, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He can do anything. It's hard to wrap your mind around that word, right? It's a word that has to, re to relate only to our triune God, right? Remember, one being, one God, three distinct, separate, individual persons. It's profound. The immensity of the Trinity, right? It's, it's, it's more than we can bear, right? It's part of all this doxology um, of just how, how, how ununderstandable he is, but we ought to continue to pursue that understanding, right? We are one being and one person, right? You're a human being, right? That's what you are, Alicia. Um, who you are is Alicia, Okay, Scott, you're a human being. That's what you are. You're one being, but you're also one person. You're Scott. That's who you are. Okay, what God is, is he's God, right? He's one being. That's what he is. Who he is, is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. Wow. So sometimes we we search and we pray and we ought to do these things to try to understand his judgments or why he's caused something to happen or why he's allowed something to happen. But sometimes it's just, it's beyond us. We're never going to get to it. He is immensely further away from us, but he wants us above us. Obviously he is, but he wants us to continue to pursue him. But Paul says, you know, you just try to, you try to read Romans one to 11 and you just come to man as much as I search it, how unsearchable his judgments in his paths beyond tracing out. There, he is immensely ahead of us. We are his creatures. We are his creation, right, Billy? He, he made us. And all we do want to follow and to know him and to chase after him, but ultimately, who he is, his knowledge, his understanding, his wisdom is so infinitely ahead of ours, 
uh, we will never be able to fully trace it out, right? How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. 34, who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Um, again, we spend our lives trying to know, to know and to know the thoughts and the inclinations. And when we study the Bible, we come to, to see the mind of the Lord. But none of us has fully known the mind of the Lord. It's, it's, it's just, it's not even thinkable to fully know it. Who has known the mind of the Lord, verse 34, or who has been his counselor? That's interesting, right? When has God ever come to you or me? When has our Heavenly Father come to us and said, Kristen, you know what? What do you think I should do about this? I could use a little counsel on this. Lauren, you know what? What honey should I, uh, you know, what should I do for this, right? Now, some of us, <laughs> I won't mention names, but some of us, and I, you know, sometimes I've lived my life as if the Lord needs my counsel. I really have. There are things that have happened and I've been frustrated with him and, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? So no, no, Nathan, it's uh, the Lord has never come to you, has he? And said, Nathan, you know, I'm having a little trouble getting this figured out, right? Nathan, when was that time Jesus came to you and said, Nathan, can, can you help me figure this out? I'm not really sure how to handle this. No one has ever been his counselor. He doesn't require or need our counseling, right? Verse 35, who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Wow. So we ought to give. We ought to be givers. We ought to give our time, our talents, and our money unto Jesus, right? In service to Jesus. But Paul said, who has ever given to God that God should repay him? What is he saying? There's nothing that we ever do or give that puts him in our debt. He's never indebted to us, right? Our Heavenly Father is never you know, owes us anything, so to speak, right? Um, again, he blesses us when we live in obedience to him, when we again use our time, talents, and money the way the scriptures tell us to, then certainly there's a blessing and, and promises that come with that. But why does he not owe us anything? Why is he not indebted to us? Because it's all his in the first place. When we give of our time, our gifts and talents and our money, everything belongs to him. He created us, our very being, let alone our time, our gifts, our talents, the things we're good at, our talented at, and all our money is his already. So when we, when we spend our time, talents, and money in serving him and in giving into him and his kingdom and the gospel and the kingdom of God, we're just giving back to him what's, his, what's already his already. So again, these are just, you know, these are, these are, these are questions that Paul is basically saying there's, these are absurdities, right? No. No one has ever known fully the mind of the Lord. No one has ever counseled the triune God. And no one has ever given to God that God should be in his debt. Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? Verse 36, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. What's that mean? For from him, he created everything. Colossians 1, right, 15 to 17, Jesus is the creator of everything. He created the universe, for from him are all things. Everything we have, the air we breathe, our very life, our bodies, the earth, the solar system, that time-space continuum, science, the trees, the grass, food, animals, everything. Everything is from him. For from him 
and through him are all things. From him are all things and through him are all things. What does that mean that through him are all things? Well, not only did he create everything, but he sustains everything. He holds everything together. Again, Colossians 1, uh, 15 to 17. And in Jesus, all things hold together. It's our triune God that not only created all things, the Trinity, but sustain all things that hold this universe together. This universe would have utterly imploded. There's a lot going on, right? It's, it's a miracle that's infinitely beyond our understanding of how the earth, the planets, and the universe just keeps rolling, right? It's, it's not like a big cosmic accident. It's a miracle beyond miracles, beyond miracles, beyond miracles, times a billion, times a trillion, beyond miracles of how the universe, and science has like one one billionth trillionth of an understanding. And, and why is that is? Because how unsearchable and beyond tracing out and knowing how is it that our heavenly father, that Jesus Christ, our Lord and the Holy Spirit sustain and hold together, not only the earth and all that's happening here, which is a billion times more than we could ever understand, but how is he sustaining the universe, the sun, the moon, and making everything work perfectly to sustain life? <laughs> it's incredible. There's no words, right? For from him are all things, through him all things, and to him are all things. What does that mean? That means for him. Not only is everything from him, he made it all. Not as everything through him, he sustains and holds it all together. And to him or for him are all things. It's all for him. Everything is ultimately for him. We are his creatures. We're his creation. It's incredible. And the only response to that, to him be the glory forever. Amen. Wow. Golly. I mean, that's just, again, that's just responsive to the, not, not only the chapter 11, but the first 11 chapters, when you see the depth of Romans, and as we've said before, it's considered by many the greatest, the greatest writing that has ever been penned. Like since pen has been put to paper, every book ever written, anything ever written on any manner, in any way, for any subject, this right here is the greatest thing ever written in human history. Yeah. Wow. All right. Back to verse 25. Again, Paul dealing with Israel. Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. It's interesting. We were talking about in Bible study um, yesterday that, that ignorance can lead to conceit. Now, you would think it would be the opposite. You would think that when we were ignorant, that we would, we would be humble. But as Stephen said, there's a difference between ignorance and knowing that we are ignorant. Compared to God, we are, to, ignorant is not enough. As, I, as I've already said here, maybe ignorant to the billionth power, right? So we ought to be in utter and total base humility before the triune God. And so happy he's given us the word of God and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has come and given us the Spirit of God as believers that we might know him. Not just know about him, but know him, but know about him and his creation and all those things as well. But he says, I do not want you to be ignorant about this mystery. And the mystery is that 
how the, the, the Jewish people, God's chosen people in the Old Testament, and the Gentiles come together to form one body of Christ, and the timing of it, this whole mystery of how, you know, uh, the Jews rejected Christ, therefore he, God the Father, hardened the Jews to make room, you know, in the body of Christ, and he uses this metaphor of a tree, breaking off branches and putting us Gentiles, all those Christians who are not Jewish, into the branch, Right? And just this mystery that, 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 that the Jews have not been lost forever. There will be a time when living Jews will be saved through faith in Jesus Christ. No one will ever be saved or has ever been saved apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Remember, in the Old Testament before Christ came, you looked forward to the cross. You looked forward to the Messiah that would come. We here in the New Testament, right, we look back 2,000 years to the Messiah, the Savior Jesus, that has come. So Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Okay? So again, uh, he, he wants to make sure the Gentiles don't start getting arrogant and conceited that, well, we believe in Jesus, and y'all are so, so foolish that you don't believe. You're lost. You're going to hell. Too bad for you. Don't be conceited. If you and I believe in Jesus today, we need to humbly acknowledge that the only reason we believe in Jesus is, is by the grace and mercy of our Father. If he did not come to us, if he did not make the first move, if he didn't by his grace, right, uh, you know, open our hearts and give us a will that we could choose to believe him, no one would believe and everyone would perish. Not to mention if he didn't become a human man, if Jesus didn't come into this world uh, to save us, to die on the cross for our sins, to, to die in our place, to be punished in our place, right? To be judged in our place. If he didn't do all of these things, none of us could be saved. So there ought to be no conceit over unbelievers, but there ought to be just a, a, a heart's desire to see every unbeliever, Jew and Gentile, saved. But what's interesting, again, is this concept of ignorance leading to conceit. If we're conceited in anything, conceit is a sin. To think we're superior is a sin, right? Uh, pride, right? Conceit is also pride. And again, I've certainly struggled with it. Um, golly, and I'd like to say I don't, but man, have mercy on us, Lord Jesus. And it really, it comes from ignorance, any conceit that you and I have ever had, any pride, any arrogance, it just comes from being flat ignorant, okay? Um, because, you know, anything we're good at, anything that, we, that we're being conceited or arrogant or prideful for is only by the grace of Jesus anyway. It's not because we're all that. Any gifts and talents were given to us by him. It wasn't self-willed. Yes, it's our job to, to grow and mature, but if not for his grace given to us at the beginning, we could do nothing. Wow. I don't want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced the hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. So again, Israel has rejected God over and over and over and over. So he's hardened them. And he says until the full number of Gentiles has come in. So what does that mean? So there's a time coming when in God's providence, in his sovereignty, whatever the, the number of Gentiles, it doesn't mean that every single Gentile that'll ever be saved, but that the Gentiles in mass will have reached a point that they have been saved. They have come into the body of Christ. And then at that point, verse 26, 
And this is a point in history moving forward, Scott, right? It hasn't happened yet. And so all Israel will be saved. Verse 26, as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And Paul quotes the Old Testament here in, um, in Isaiah and Jeremiah. Now, now how is this going to happen? And so all Israel will be saved. The deliverer will come from Zion. Who's the deliverer? The deliverer is Jesus. He will turn godlessness away from Jacob. Jacob represents Israel. And he'll turn it away how? And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. This will happen by, by Israel's eyes being opened. And in mass, the Jewish people will come to see that Jesus Christ really is the Messiah. He really is their savior. He always has been. And they will give their, their lives to Jesus. They'll receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and savior. They'll put their full faith and trust in Christ, in Jesus as the Messiah, as the savior. And their sins will be taken away and godlessness will be taken away from Jacob. This is not teaching by any means that Israel's gonna be saved apart from Jesus, okay? Paul has made it clear in the first 11 chapters and he hammered it down in chapter two that no, that, that all humanity needs a savior, okay? The Gentiles in chapter one, the Jewish people in chapter two, all of us need a savior. So, and so all Israel will be saved. How will they be saved? They'll be saved the same way that, that, that the Jews in the early church were saved, that some Jews have been saved over the last 2000 years. But this is a time where in mass, when he says all Israel will be saved, it doesn't mean every single living, you know, person who has a Jewish heritage or lives in Israel. He's basically saying that, that the time will come when Israel will become a Christian nation. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. 28. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs, 29, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. What does that mean? As far as the gospel is concerned, they're enemies on your account. Well, uh, again, when, when the Jewish people uh, rejected the gospel, right? It, we, you know, the gospel was now offered to the Gentiles, right? By their rejection of it, by, their, by, by, the, by the Jewish people saying, no, we don't want it. We don't believe in Jesus. We don't believe he's our Messiah. By them consider, continuing to try to pursue God in their own righteousness and their own merit, right? Uh, you know, that by them, Paul has already taught, by their rejection, the gospel came to us. There was a very practical aspect of it, right? Um, because they didn't want it, right? That, that the door was open to us, right? And Paul, and Paul made it clear, okay, you don't want it. The Jews don't want it. We'll just go to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, and they'll receive it. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies on your account. But as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. What does that mean? The patriarchs, who are the patriarchs? The Old Testament fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the great patriarchs of the faith. In verse 29, Paul says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. What is he saying? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were promised that their descendants would at one point come in and that they would be saved for all eternity. Now, over the millennium, right? Over the, the last, you know, 
4,000 years, 5,000 years, you know, uh, there's been a, a tremendous hardening. And over the last 2,000 years, the vast majority, the 99% or whatever percent of Jewish people have rejected Christ. But but Paul says that that the Jewish people are loved on account of the patriarchs, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable, meaning that, that again, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were given a promise by God, and his gifts and his call are irrevocable, meaning God promised them that this would happen, so we can be sure that he's going to fulfill that promise, okay? So there will be a time where Israel, right, and, you know, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob will in mass, so to speak, come to faith in Jesus Christ, will Israel, or perhaps even its leadership, will be a, a Christian nation, right? That is coming. And again, Paul says, because that promise was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Verse 30, just as you who were at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience. Okay, so remember, they were disobedient. They rejected the gospel, and so God's mercy came to us because they rejected it. Paul started going to the Gentiles. Uh, the, other, the other apostles started going to the Gentiles. And, you know, we received it. Because they disobeyed, the gospel was brought to, to non-Jewish people. Just as you who were at one time disobedient to God, how were we disobedient? We rejected Christ. We hadn't received Christ. We were disobedient to not believe the gospel is disobedience. Remember, the Bible commands us not just how to live, but it commands us what to believe. It is disobedience to God to reject the gospel. Just as you who are at one time disobedient to God have now received mercy as a result of their disobedience, so they too have now become disobedient in order that they too may now receive mercy as a result of God's mercy to you. Again, when people look at the tremendous mercy given us, remember, mercy is when we do not get the punishment that we absolutely deserve. We deserve to be separated from God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit for all eternity and be in hell. That's what we deserve, okay? But we have received tremendous mercy in Jesus Christ. I was saying if I could only have one, I, I want all the attributes of my father. I want his love. I want his grace. I want his peace. But if I had to pick one, I want mercy. I know I'm a sinful man and I need mercy. And we ought to be extending mercy. Again, remember, mercy is when we do not get the punishment from God that we do deserve. Verse 32, for God has bound all men, and this means all men and women, for God has bound all men over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on them all. Every single human being, all 8 billion people in the world, anyone who's ever lived save Jesus, has needed mercy and needs mercy. What we deserve is punishment, judgment, separation from the triune God, and to be under the wrath of God in eternal hell. For God has bound all men, that means all people, all men and women, over to disobedience. He's allowed every one of us to go our way so that he can have mercy on us all in and through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. Who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who has ever given to God that God should repay him? For from him and through him 
and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen and amen and amen, Father. We worship you. We thank you. We praise you, Father. We thank you for this incredible revelation, Lord. We thank you for your mercy, Father, that you've given us in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord Jesus, we ask you to open the hearts of the Jewish people, your, your chosen people, that they would come to you. We pray that this time would come, Lord. We pray that the full number of Gentiles will be brought in and that all Israel would be saved and that you would come, Lord Jesus, and establish your rule on earth. Come, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, we thank you and we praise you. We ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. Seal these 11 chapters to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.